Hello, leapers and fellow travelers. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast. I am your host, Sam Fain, and I'm flying solo this week. Dennis could not make it. Uh, there's been lots of personal and professional obligations uh, on both of our ends recently, so we've not been able to really arrange times for both of us to get together, and we haven't necessarily had a whole lot of content to bring you. There are certainly some things that we really want to do. Obviously, want to kind of do a season overview, want to talk about favorite episodes, get some guests back in here, do some fun you know, commentary type stuff. That's sort of thing. Uh, maybe even dive a little deeper if it's at all possible <laughs> into some of the episodes. Um, and definitely want to get back to our revisited series as well. So we can talk about the classic series alongside the new series, but there were a couple of things that we wanted to address. And so with Dennis's blessing, uh, I decided to kind of hop into the accelerator solo and deliver some new stuff that might not be entirely new because it's certainly things that we've addressed on social media channels. Uh, it's things that, um, the writers and producers have also addressed a little bit here and there on social media channels, but I just wanted to try to get everything together in, in one place. So if you had questions, uh, certainly as it pertains to the writer's strike or as it pertains to what's going to happen for the following season, that I could hopefully clear a little bit of that up. Um, as far as I can, some of the things that have been said, uh, I will just be completely honest with you, have been off the record. Um, so uh, I'm not at liberty to discuss everything, um, but I can certainly talk a little bit here and there or talk around some things um, just to give a, a little bit of a clearer picture uh, on the current state of the show heading into season two, uh, in the midst of this, you know, summer break. Um, but before I do that, I just want to take a moment to say, welcome, welcome to the studio. Uh, it is slowly, but surely coming together. Um, I've got, you know, some stuff set up here and there. You can see Ben Cisco hanging out, uh, behind me. Um, also have, uh, some, of my, you know, movie collection. Uh, and I just wanted to point out this sign right here. It says you are magic. And, um, that was something that, um, my spouse, Jessica got for me as, as a sort of a housewarming gift, if you will. Um, which was incredibly sweet of her. Um, and when I opened it, she said, do you get the reference? And of course, the first thing I thought of was let them play, um, in which during the, um, the living portraits, the father says, you know, trans kids are magic. And, uh, I thought that that's what it meant, but I didn't necessarily want to assume that she had, you know, actually done that. Although she did watch that episode with me, she didn't get to see all the episodes with me, unfortunately, this past season. Although that's something we we look forward to um, changing over the the summer. Um, but she had seen that episode, and obviously she'd heard a lot about it. We talked a lot about it, and of course, it had a lot of meaning for for me. Um, and so, in giving that to me, um, I mean, it just it, it put a huge smile on my face, to say the very least. And I think the other thing is that she mentioned um, is that as much as it was, of course, for me to say, like, you're magic, it was also embracing the idea that I've really been exploring options for different uh, forms of adv advocacy and trying to help and support trans youth as much as I possibly can. And so it's not just a message for me. It's also a message for them, which I just love even more. And um you know, it's the reason why she's just been absolutely incredible, um, always. So, uh, I want to thank her for that. Uh, I did get the opportunity to share that with Shakina and, uh, she thought it was pretty spectacular as well. 
Um, so it's it, it holds a lot of meaning um, for me, and though it might not necessarily appear at first glance to hold a lot of meaning for Fate's Wide Wheel and Quantum Leap, it certainly does. Um, so a uh, big shout out to Jessica for getting that for me. Um, you know, on to kind of another personal note. I mentioned uh, on our Twitter account last week that things had been a little rough and had certainly been impeding, I think, the ability to do some of what we normally do. And part of it, of course, is that, you know, the show's not currently on the air. And taking a break, I think, is something that a lot of the, you know, other uh, places covering the show have done anyway. So it was an opportunity to take a step back just because the show wasn't on the air. After my father passed, it, it, you know, became, I think, a little bit more of a necessity for me to really kind of just try and focus as best I could on um, grieving. Um, And it takes time and it takes space. And in some ways it takes solitude. And, you know, you need community and ritual as well. And the truth of the matter is just due to the nature of him, um, that community and ritual has certainly been something that's been a bit lacking. And I mentioned this, that in some ways his death has lacked substance and meaning. Um, my grandmother died about three years ago. And when that occurred, um, I grieved, I was sad, but there was there, I found so much meaning and I, and I found so much uh, direction and, and hope um, in her legacy and the way that she had impacted me. And I'm having a little difficulty doing that with, with my dad, which um, to be completely blunt, just fucking sucks. And it's certainly given me a lot of thoughts and feelings that I did not expect. It's been confusing and there have been um, just a lot of high highs and low lows, peaks and valleys, and finding a way to be healthy, be good to myself, be kind to myself. Also, of course, being a parent and and being a spouse has been, um, has been challenging. And there's been some anger uh, mixed with the sadness and impatience mixed with it as well. Um, And anyone who's gone through this, anyone who's grieved before, I'm sure has felt similar things. And certainly if you've had a challenging relationship uh, with a relative who passed, I think you probably know exactly the type of things that I'm talking about. And in the midst of all of this, there's been kind of this constant worry about falling off the wagon. Um, and, uh, it's, it's not, I don't think been a reality. I don't find myself, you know, staring at a bottle or, uh, the wanting to go into a bar or whatnot, but there seems to be this looming threat. And so I've just tried to be as aware of that as possible. Um, and it's, it's added uh, a new layer of confusion, I think, to all of this and anger as well and sadness and confusion. Um, so it's, it's been a very challenging time in a lot of ways. And I think part of it's been a little bit unexpected. Uh, I spent time in therapy and, and, and really just doing as much healing as I can and trying to be a cycle breaker and, 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 and just break the chains of the intergenerational trauma that was certainly thrust upon myself and, doing all of that work I think has prepared me well in a lot of ways. And yet no matter how much you prepare, I think 
this is something that gives you a mountain. It gives you a challenge that you cannot be equipped all the way for. Uh, so you have to use the tools that you have and, you know, rely on, on love and, and hope. And hopefully you have good people in your life that are willing to check in on you or give you space. Um, and again, you know, just going back to Jess, I mean, that's something that she's provided obviously, um, an incredible amount of, and it's hard because sometimes you, you feel guilty. I've, I've felt guilty about taking advantage of that, taking too much space, taking too much time. And part of that is this concern, this worry, this fear that I'm going to use up everyone else's empathy or compassion. And quite frankly, as silly as this might sound, that includes you, that includes the listeners and the viewers, because I feel this, this worry, this concern that, that people are, are going to just kind of say, Hey, we've, we've all got our own stuff and, and, you know, get over it, deal with it. Um, and of course, at every turn, those fears are completely assuaged by the comments, the kindness, the love, the compassion, and empathy that you all do continue to show. And for that, I'm really grateful. And I mean that. I, I genuinely mean that. There's a sincere sense of gratitude. And it's something that I try to express as often as possible just for the fact that you're even listening or watching this podcast. But in this specific instance, the fact that you're taking the time to let me know that it's okay to not be okay Um has been incredible. And it's one of the reasons why I will continue to put myself out there. It's one of the reasons why I'll continue to check in and, you know, use this particular platform to hopefully also let other people know that, yeah, it's okay to not be okay. And that there are people out there in the most surprising quarters that will offer you um, uh, that, that little ray of sunshine that you might need in order to just feel a little bit better. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And, um, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about Quantum Leap. Uh, now, obviously, right now, the WGA is striking, and that has meant that all writing has ceased on television, film, etc., there's no writing going on at all. And that also includes that uh, fact that writers cannot be present on set during filming, um, that writers are uh, unable to offer, you know, any kind of input whatsoever on, on production. Um, they can write, um, but they cannot show that to anyone in a professional capacity. Uh, they cannot share that uh, with, with an agent, a manager, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's, 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 if they're doing it, they're basically just doing it for themselves, banking it, saving it for later. Um, now, of course there are other things, other avenues that they can pursue. Shakina, for instance, being an example, she has um, been working on a musical um, uh, adaptation of come back to the five and dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, which um, if you're not familiar with was actually a play in the seventies and then a movie, I believe in the early eighties, it might've been late seventies. Uh, don't hold me to that one. Um, but uh, actually, it was a, a platform, an early platform, uh, if you will, for Kathy Bates, um, the, the film was. And one of the things that was also, um, or the play, one of the things that was also great about that play is that it included a, a trans character. Um, and the fact that, you know, this, this show in the 70s, um, was shedding a little light on a trans character in Texas, nonetheless, um, I think was, was 
pretty groundbreaking um, for for the time. And so I'm really you know thrilled that she's working on this and uh, actually posted some snippets from some of the songs uh, just uh, yesterday or day before yesterday on Twitter. So uh, find her, her Twitter account and you'll be able to see some of the stuff that she's been working on. Um, quick theatrical tangent. Mason Alexander Park, of course, is currently in London getting ready to play the MC uh, on the West End in the production of Cabaret. I wish I could be there so much. That sounds like it is going to just be amazing. Uh, I, I cannot even put into words um, how badly I wish I could be there. I saw a production of Cabaret in Studio 54 in New York City about 20 years ago, and I just love that show so much. And I love this opportunity for them. And I really, really wish I could see them in that role because I think they're going to knock it out of the park. It's going to be fantastic. Um, anyway, back to the writers. So uh, obviously this has a huge impact on quantum leap because, and this is true for most shows, but uh, the, you know, the producers are writers. Um, you know, the writers are producers in almost every instance. And, um, in some cases have, uh, also gotten, you know, behind the camera in a directorial capacity. Um, so for, Quantum Leap in particular, this basically means that any input that any of the writers have been able to have um, has ceased. And I think that we've been able to illustrate on the show before that the writers have been incredibly important to the production of these episodes, that things have changed during the production of the episode, that things have changed, um, you know, even basically like after things were finished. Right. And so I think that it's it's. It's concerning in some fashion because it means that a lot of that valuable work cannot happen. And it means that until the strike is resolved, there are, you know, no new episodes can be written um, or put in front of a camera. However, and this is the big, you know, key to all of this, there they are in production right now, currently, I believe, on episode eight. Um, I, I'm I believe it will be wrapping very soon. Um, in fact, it, it could wrap within the next day or two. By the time you're listening to this, it could be wrapped. I had heard that that was the plan was to do eight episodes to get those eight done and then take a break, which is the reason why, for instance, Mason is, is in London right now. They, you know, they're not needed on set. They're, they're not needed because next week there's not going to, they're not going to be shooting a new episode. They're not going to be shooting episode nine. Unfortunately, this means that episode eight was shot without the writer around. Um, and again, based off of conversations that we've had on this podcast with writers and producers, we know how valuable that input can be. Um, now, that's not to say that, you know, the episode's in shambles. They have to get it in front of a camera before they can fix it up and make it great. That's not the case at all. Certainly, you know, quality episodes can be can be shot just with the, the shooting script and no changes made. That's, you know, I'm not trying to imply that, you know, it's necessary for that to take place, although it's certainly important. Um, so I, I think that with episode eight, that advantage is not there. However, the first seven episodes of season two already filmed writers on set. Um, I, you know, I'd even heard from one of the writer producers that, you know, that they were there and, and basically wrapped their episode. And then a couple of days later, it's strike time, you know? So it, it, it's kind of interesting the way that the process has, um, uh, altered a little bit over this past week. And yet it did not have 
an impact uh, in the way that the episodes were filmed or, or written or that, that that input could take place. Um, it, you know, it certainly had an impact on people. I think that there, that there was probably some stress and anxiety surrounding that. And that can certainly impact creativity. However, again, these are professionals. These are talented people. These, you know, these artists bring their, their a game. And I think that those first seven episodes um, you could pretty much say are not impacted by, excuse me, not impacted by the, the writer's strike. Um, if episode eight ends up being impacted by the writer's strike, we don't know. We'll see. Um, it, it's not out of the question for them to make changes to the episode prior to airing. If the strike is resolved before that, which sort of leads me to the next point, because with eight episodes, um, if we do an, an October premiere, late September, early October premiere, that can easily get you into uh, the December, you know, kind of holiday hiatus. Um, Initially, I believe, based off of some of the stuff that I heard, the plan was to do these eight, bank them, start airing them. I, I don't know exactly when, but but I'm assuming late September, early October, and then take that break with the episodes. Filming, I believe, was going to resume in November. Um, so we're talking like six months um, that they were going to take this break anyway. And obviously you want to have a little prep time. You want to have a little lead time. I don't know if episode nine was written. I can assume it might've been partially written or at least uh, they'd broken the story. Uh, uh, but maybe it was written in full. I don't know. That said, um, if the strike is resolved in time, you know, for them to shoot in November, then I think we're fine. I think season two will go off without a hitch. It will be, you know, the, the, the full episode order that NBC initially ordered and everything will be okay. Um, that of course leads to the fact that it got a change in when it's airing. It's now airing Tuesdays at 10, nine central. Um, this is not a cause for concern. If anything, I think this is actually a cause for um, celebration in a way, because that is a really good spot um, f- based off of, you know, what NBC um, usually offers. Uh, you know, some of the shows that they've had there prior to that, they've shown a strong commitment to um, this is us parenthood, you know, those sorts of shows. Uh, I think that again, based off of some of what I've heard, there is a strong commitment to quantum leap that season two, um, it really ups the ante in so many ways. Um, and I think that the, what we're in store for in season two, it, 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 it has the potential to really blow you away. Um, I, I, I don't know anything about what they're, you know, what they're doing, uh, where it's headed, but I have certainly heard murmurings that there's a lot of excitement surrounding the quality, surrounding the direction. Um, and I think that the network is, is really behind the show. Uh, I think that, um, regardless of what happens with the writer's strike, I think we're going to see some really cool promotion of the show. Um, and not necessarily cool as far as like innovative, but just in general, we're going to see some promotion of the show, which is a cool thing. Um, and I would not be surprised if, you know, we don't hear much over the next month or two, um, depending on how the writer's strike goes. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere in July, we start hearing some, some new stuff and things really start maybe picking up late August, early September, leading us into that late September, early October, uh, premiere day. Everything I've just said pretty much that was in flux as far as dates go. I don't know for sure what's going to happen with any of that. And it's entirely possible, even likely, that if the writer's strike goes on too much longer, uh, not too much longer, I mean, it hasn't necessarily gone on that long already, but I'm just saying if it goes on longer than six months, let's say, that could change a lot of things. Um, you know, 
we could see decisions made to shorten seasons of shows. Um, we could see decisions made to break up what they do have, you know, maybe air four in the fall, four in, you know, late winter, early spring. Um, and this is all speculation on my part. I don't have any insider knowledge on that at all. Um, so it's really hard to tell exactly what could happen should the strike go uh, be prolonged. Um, and, and, and I just think that at this particular point in time, we should support the writers uh, and also have faith in the fact that we have eight episodes uh, filmed before camera. Um, and those eight episodes will likely air in the fall. And what happens after that? We just, we just can't tell at this point. Um, I think we're in for a treat either way. I think obviously it would, you know, it would suck if there's only eight episodes in season two. Um, it would be really difficult. I, I think for everyone involved, if, if, if that were the case, um, I'm certainly hoping that it's not. Um, I'm loving the fact, of course, that we've seen so much solidarity with, uh, the, the, the writers, the actors, the production crew, people really just kind of coming together because the strike is important. And I think that first and foremost, as much as we're talking about this entertainment, and maybe I should have said this up front, quite frankly, but first and foremost is that I firmly believe in what the writers are doing. Um, I believe that the artists need to be recognized and paid fairly for their work. I think that uh, it's very easy to look at the money um, that that they might make or that might be on a paycheck and just be like, oh, wow, well, I, I mean, how, how can you complain about that? But the fact of the matter is, is so much of that money goes other places, you know, agents, managers, uh, union dues, uh, fees for, for guilds, et cetera, all that sort of stuff. And then you look at things like, you know, health insurance, uh, medical bills, you look at the rent uh, uh, out there, you, you know, you, you start you start kind of piecing all this together and you realize, wow, that's not actually very much money at all. And then, of course, when you contrast that with what these companies are actually making, with what these CEOs are making, you start to see the disparity. And it's 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 kind of heartbreaking because the fact is, is these these people, these creative engines um, are are giving it their all and, and and they're putting work together that we are all enamored with. And they're not getting remunerated the way that they should be for it. And I think that it's incredibly important to also recognize the fact that most artists have this, this big problem and it's called passion. And that passion means they would do it for free, but they can't and they shouldn't. And so many times we sell ourselves short. So many times we will absolutely take the first number that's thrown out at us because no one's ever given us the opportunity to say, no, you're worth this. And it, it, it's, it's hard to explain sometimes to people that aren't involved in the arts or that don't have an appreciation for the arts because it, it, it's, it's just much more than, than, than punching a clock. Although that's a part of it. And I think that that's the thing that's, you know, that's kind of that dichotomy that sometimes just gets lost, not only for, for people on the outside looking in, but for the artists themselves as well. Because, you know, if you don't look at it like a business, if you don't say this is a business and I have to do what's best, you know, for business and that business just happens to be me, I have to, you know, bet on myself, I have to invest in myself, et cetera. Then yeah, you can get taken advantage of. And, and the truth of the matter is, is because of the way that the, that the business often works, the people that, 
you know, try their best to look out for themselves, um, try their best to make sure that uh, they're being done right by are still getting taken advantage of. And I think that no matter which way you slice it, no matter what interests they might have at heart, that so many of these studios and so many of these CEOs are indeed taking advantage of the artists and they're profiting off of the artist while not necessarily giving the artists what they deserve. It takes a village. It takes a team. Collaboration is incredibly important. When you look at the money that goes into a show or goes into a film, you can look at that money and you can kind of say like, oh, well, that's a lot of money. And it is. And, and, and everyone deserves to be paid fairly for that. And sometimes I think that with the world that we live in, especially over these past few years and seeing inflation, it's like, well, people need to make more. Um, and no one should be, you know, basically having to live paycheck to paycheck if if they're working on a show that's bringing in millions and millions of dollars <clears throat> or a film that's bringing in, you know, potentially a billion dollars. So I, I, again, I just think that that's the most important thing to remember. And I think that, um, showing solidarity with the writers, doing whatever we can to, to support them. Um, you know, it, it counts. It really does. I mean, people see these things on social media, people, you know, react to these things on social media at all levels and, uh, they care about appearances. You know, if everybody came out on their Twitter and said, I support the writers and, and I'm going to cancel my, you know, my, my Peacock or cancel my Netflix or cancel the video, do all this sort of stuff. I mean, people do notice that they don't want to look bad and they don't want to lose money. And so the more we can do to, to kind of, help and show that solidarity, I think the better. And, um, you might not think that it matters, but it really, it genuinely does. And, um, I know that so, so many of you have already done that. I mean, I've, I've seen it and, and, and I appreciate it. So great work. Um, <laughs> But uh, all of that said, I, I do think that especially for the first half of season two, we don't have anything to be worried about. We're going to, we're going to get that. We're going to get it in some capacity. It seems like the network is very excited about it. And, uh, the whole creative team seems to be excited about it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they put together for us. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the little sizzle reel, if you will, that we got at the end of the finale was, was awesome and showed a lot more than I thought that it was going to. Um, so it, it'll be really cool to, to see the direction that they take things. Um, um, and, and I think that, you know, for all the questions that were left over after the finale, um, I think that there are definitely going to be some answers along the way, but I don't think that that's what the season is going to be about. Um, I think that the season is going to really embrace the, the episodic nature of the original in a lot of ways. Um, while certainly still having, you know, through line, uh, it's not like we're going to lose that, but I think it'll be less about some sort of, as we said before, some sort of mystery box and certainly more about, you know, the characters evolving and growing and, and, and the stories that take place, the interpersonal personal dramas, I think will be much more important, um, going forward while also having a lot of focus on those, on those leaps, um, which I know is something that a lot of people have, have wanted. So, um, you're, you're going to get it. I think, um, I think, I don't, I don't know. I could be completely wrong, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, the other thing that I wanted to uh, kind of address uh, uh, real quick was the physical media aspect of quantum leap. We heard murmurings um, about a month ago, I want to say, about a DVD release of season one. Um, it, we didn't really know what to expect from it. Um, I, I think that it, there was definitely an element of uh, trepidation just because there's been um, – how should I put this? There's not been a huge investment uh, in uh, physical media from a lot of networks. Um, <clears throat> certainly the 
prestige stations, um, you know, the, the, the HBOs, um, uh, they've invested, I think, heavily in um, the physical media. Um, <clears throat> we've seen, you know, a 4K release of Game of Thrones, for instance. Uh, Paramount has also invested a bit, especially when it comes to Star Trek. They know that Star Trek is something that they can make money off. They know that Star Trek fans are going to want to have that physical media. They're releasing a 4K uh, version of Strange New Worlds tomorrow, actually. I think I might pick it up. Um, so... <laughs> So I, I, I think that it's a rarity um, to, to see networks in particular go all out for DVD releases um, or Blu-ray releases. And I don't think other than, again, other than Paramount doing the um, uh, the 4K version for the Star Trek shows, I, I don't think that any network has released a 4K. Most networks aren't even releasing Blu-rays of their shows. Some shows, yes, but they're far, 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 far and few between. Um, sometimes if a show has finished airing and they know it has a big enough following, we'll see a Blu-ray like, you know, The Office or I think How I Met Your Mother or Friends, stuff like that. But I mean, those were shows that were off the air by the time um, they got those uh, Blu-ray releases. Um <clears throat> Although I do think that like the office and maybe how I met your mother had some as well. I know house may maybe had a couple, um, but sometimes they weren't even finished all the way. Sometimes they didn't get single Blu-ray releases. They just got that whole series Blu-ray release at the end. So all that is to say that there was certainly a little bit of trepidation when the news broke, because I, I think we wondered what exactly were we going to be getting. Um, if I'm being honest, I don't want a DVD of Quantum Leap. Like, I will buy it to support the show, to, to say, like, hey, I support this show. I will do that, but I won't watch it. I, I'm sorry, I just won't. Because the quality of watching that DVD compared to what I could do if I just watched it on Peacock, it's not it's, I mean, it's it's not going to be the same. We're talking about a 7, you know, what, 720, um, versus 1080. Um, I don't believe Peacock streams in 4k. There was some question about, uh, the possibility of having the show in 4k. Um, and I, I was going to answer this on Twitter and I just kind of, you know, got buried under some things and I never responded to it, but there was a comment about like, you know, well, it's not broadcast in 4k. That might be true. Most networks don't broadcast in 4k. Uh, some sporting events are, but usually that's, you know, you have to pay for that. It's not even actually over the air. Um, the, the ability to broadcast in 4k exists, but it, it, it requires a special package. And I don't know that all TVs have said package. So most networks aren't actually broadcasting in 4k yet. Um, there are some local affiliates that broadcast in 4k, but I don't think like nationally, I don't think it's a thing yet. Um, that may have changed. Feel free to correct me. Uh, what I will say, however, is that the show as most shows these days are is shot in 8k. So, and I'm getting into the technical weeds on this. So some of you might've already tuned out. I don't know. Maybe you find it as interesting as I do, but the show is shot at 8k resolution, which means that, um, whether or not the final episode is produced in 8k resolution, the elements exist for it to be in an up to an 8k resolution. Now, 8K televisions have just recently come on the market. It's not something that everybody owns. They're, uh, you know, 8K players, all that sort of super, super, super expensive, super high-end stuff. There's hardly anything out there that you would need it for, want it for, et cetera. It's just upscaling. It's basically like when 4K stuff first came out, <clears throat> you were just upscaling your your Blu-rays, um, which looked nice, but it the, the, there was not a discernible difference between just watching your Blu-ray normally and then there wasn't watching it in 4K. Then, of course, when 4K started to become a little bit more standard, 
Um, now you can see things in 4k. Now you can stream things in 4k. Um, you know, Disney plus is probably actually, believe it or not, one of the best streamers for 4k. They, they offer Dolby vision on almost all of their films. Um, which is Dolby vision vision is basically like the highest, um, um, you know, quality that, that we have right now. Um, there's HDR and then there's, there's Dolby vision, which is kind of like a notch above, um, might not be again, a great discernible difference, but, but for some eyes it's important back to quantum leap. However, um, I don't know whether or not the show is produced at a 4k resolution, meaning this is something actually, oddly enough, uh, we're not a Star Trek podcast, but that affects the remastering of deep space nine. For instance, deep space nine was filmed at, at a high resolution, but then it was basically down converted for broadcast. So, uh, it, it, it was basically a situation where I believe it was broadcast at like four eighty or something like that. Um, and even though it was shot, it might've been, it might've actually been shot at 1080. Um, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, but I know that it was shot at a higher resolution than, than like the 480. So anyway, um, the problem with that is, is that they could not remaster the existing episodes because they only exist at a low resolution compared to what we have today. So in order to actually remaster deep space nine, they would have to go back pull all of the original footage as it was originally shot, re-edit the episodes together at the higher resolution. And that's a lot of work um, to the point that they don't know if all of like the production guides or, or whatever, they're, I'm not sure what the real technical terminology is, but it's basically the, uh, the book that would tell you which cuts were used, which takes were used, which, you know, where things were cut with how they were, how the episode was edited together. They don't know if all that exists. They don't even know if all the original footage exists. So it's the reason why we're not unfortunately likely to get a deep space nine remaster, which really stinks. Anyway, as it pertains to quantum leap, um, I don't know what the episodes are actually uh, handed in at. So if the episodes are handed in at 4K resolution, which they very well could be, then that means that the edited episode, as is, that we see on air exists in a 4K resolution. We're not seeing it at a 4K resolution. We're certainly not seeing it at 4K on a DVD. And we're definitely not seeing it on 4K at the Blu-ray. Because after the DVD was announced, a Blu-ray was announced. And Blu-ray.com actually released a press release for the Blu-ray. Um, which kind of excited me because now all of a sudden I thought like, okay, like I'll, I'll definitely pick up a Blu-ray. Like I'll watch a Blu-ray of the series because if the show is, I, I don't know, I'd have to check into this, but on Peacock, if the show is, is streamed at, at 1080 for the Blu-ray, um, it's still going to be better quality on the Blu-ray than it would be on Peacock. Um, now if it's streamed at 4k, then again, why do I need the Blu-ray? Because I can watch it on Peacock at a better resolution. Now, this is splitting hairs with some people. Some people literally don't care. Some people are happy watching their VHS, you know, taped off of, of USA copies of the classic series, right? Um, but I think for those of us that are into physical media um, and those of us that want to see the show represented well on physical media, it's exciting that there's going to be a Blu-ray. It's disappointing in a way that there won't be a 4K. And it's definitely disappointing these seem to be, and here's the last point, budget releases. Uh, it does not seem to be the case that these will have special features or extra bells and whistles of any sort. It looks like it's just going to be the show. And that's that. Um, 
I don't know. I could be wrong, but there's been no indication whatsoever that these are going to have any special features. Vanilla releases, budget releases. A lot of times with budget releases, <clears throat> not only do we not get special features, but we usually get pretty crappy transfers, high compression rates, you know, bad encodes. I will say that Mill Creek did a really good job with the classic series as far as the encodes and compression goes. It looks pretty damn good for a show that did not get like a full, you know, remastering or whatever, um, as far as I'm aware. So uh, I, I don't know what to expect. Unfortunately, I can't give you more information. But what I can say is that pre-order if you want it, because this could be one of those things where it's hard to get because they don't make a lot of them. So pre-order it if you really want it, but buyer beware that it could just be a vanilla release and not necessarily even be the same quality that you would get from streaming it on Peacock. Again, it's important to support the show. It really is, but it's important to be smart with our wallets. And I think that if it's one thing to support the show, it's another thing to not be discerning about that support. Um, so if NBC universal wants us to see this show as a potential franchise and wants us to see it in the same light as something like star Trek, then they need to step up their game and I will throw the gauntlet down. There are plenty of people out there, frankly, myself included, that would be more than happy to work on putting those special features together. I know that so many of these shows and so many of these films have had fan-driven campaigns, basically, and and, and fan-driven special features to put things together, to to, to moderate commentaries or, or behind-the-scenes stuff like that. You know, there are plenty of people out there that really do want it, that would support it. The people that watch this show do support physical media. Um, I think I really believe that just about anyone listening to this, certainly, and most of the people watching the show would buy this on physical media. Um, it drives that, you know, it, it kind of drives that itch in the same way that Star Trek does. I know the fandom is much smaller. I know that. I'm not, you know, I'm not harboring any illusions over, you know, the size of the fandom compared to Star Trek. However, I think that similarly to Star Trek, we would embrace a high quality physical media releases of the show with special features that include audio commentaries and documentaries. Um, if I've been able to gather anything these people would love to talk about the show so there's no reason why we can't have raymond and caitlin and mason and ernie and nanrissa sitting down talking about the show on these commentaries having dean and and, and having drew and and, and alex and, and benjamin and derek and shakina and deborah and you know everyone involved with the show having them sit down and talk about it because they definitely would and and do it in a very interesting way and I think that this podcast and the Quantum Leap podcast have proven that. And I would love to see something official released so that fans of the show did not have to solely rely, as much as I love that they do, on Fate's Wide Wheel and the Quantum Leap podcast for their behind-the-scenes information. Because as of right now, unless you're reading stuff you know, on the internet, which is fine and certainly has its place, most of the good, juicy, behind-the-scenes stuff that has come out over the past year about this show has absolutely come from Fate's Wide Wheel and the Quantum Leap podcast. That's it. Like, I mean, that is that that is an absolute fact. And and we've not seen uh, things produced in an official capacity, as far as I'm concerned, that would match the quality and depth of, of, of interviews and conversations that have taken place with people who work on this show 
as they have in these two podcasts. So I would encourage NBC Universal to 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 bet on the show, to bet on the fandom, and 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 to and to bet on that physical media because I think that we would absolutely embrace it um, for this show, and I think that it's the type of thing that could easily propel people into getting more involved with the show, more interested in the show and give you the opportunity for those spinoffs for, you know, the, the, those Peacock specials or whatever else that you want to do. Um, and maybe I'm nuts and I could very well be, I'm tired. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. It's been a long month, but you know what? I love this show. I believe in this show and I, I want it to succeed on every level. And on a selfish note, I totally want to like, throw in a 4k disc, uh, uh, into my, my new player that I got and, and listen to, you know, them talk about the show and, 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 and see all of these wonderful faces, uh, in 4k resolution, uh, and, and watch this show, um, that, that we love so much. So, um, so we'll see, we'll see, uh, you know, I could be wrong. There could be some special features tucked away on there. Um, but I don't think it's something that, that, that we should expect. Um, and to be completely honest, there's still not an official pre-order page on Amazon for the Blu-ray. So, Will we get it? Will we not get it? I don't know. Um, I, th- I think we will, though. I mean, Blu-ray.com is pretty reputable. And, and if they if they got a no- notice about it, um, there's been some sort of press release, then I think that we'll definitely get the Blu-ray. Um, the, the DVD does actually have a pre-order page for it, though. Anyway, um, so all of that being said, uh, there's nothing really new to report, um, you know, for the show. Um, certainly nothing new to report, um, for season two other than what's already been stated. Um, and again, you know, I know that some of the information I gave was not even necessarily, um, you know, new information, uh, as far as, uh, um, what was already out there in social media, but I just wanted to try to put it in one place uh, and answer some questions that I have seen float around and just give people, you know, an idea uh, of, of, you know, what I can say, hopefully um, based off of some of the things that I know um, that, that I know might not be, out there is wide. Um, so uh, I hope this has helped. I hope this has answered some questions about uh, season two, what the writer strike m- means, what we can expect. Um, and, and also hopefully uh, even, you know, giving you something to think about and chew on when it comes to that physical media release. Um, stay tuned to this spot. Obviously we will be back um, soon with, with some more uh, content. Uh, hopefully again, getting back to our classic series revisited, uh, talking a little bit about uh, season one as it was. And certainly now that we've got a little distance and space from it, seeing how we feel um, to be honest, my feelings haven't changed very much at all. Um, if anything, certain episodes have grown in, in, in esteem for me. Um, there are, are certain things that stand out to me even more now after we kind of seen the whole picture. Um, I, I kind of stand by just about everything I said about the quality of, of, of episodes. Um, the episodes that I loved the most um, certainly still really, really stand out uh, as being you know, the, the, the best of the season, the high points of the season. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of catch up and, and see where we all stand. Um, after this, we'll certainly look into getting some, some guests back on the show very soon. Um, not even necessarily guests from the show, but just, um, you know, see if we can't get Lauren back on the show, for instance. And, and, and I know that there's some other folks that we want to have on, uh, to talk about the show as well. Uh, but, obviously folks involved with the show, we certainly want to uh, get on when we can, but 
I also want to be respectful because this is a difficult time. And this is a time when I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of stress and anxiety and disappointment and frustration going around and, and, and it's understandable. And I don't want to infringe upon any of those incredibly valid feelings by saying, Hey, come be on my podcast. Uh, and, and certainly when it comes to like the cast and the crew that, um, you know, are certainly impacted heavily by this writer's strike are not necessarily currently striking. Uh, I also want to respect the fact that like, you know, they just got done shooting a show for, a lot longer, I think, than they thought that they were going to by doing these eight uh, extra weeks, if you will, or, or more than that. But, um, you know, in order to get that first half of season two done. So I want to be respectful, again, of everyone's energy and efforts and time. And uh, it's just such a gift to have them on the show in the first place. And so I'm grateful for everyone who has stopped by and, uh, who wants to stop by that hasn't had the chance to yet. And that we certainly want to make happen, uh, when the time is right. Um, but, uh, in the meantime, uh, I just want to say thank you to, uh, again, to everyone working on the show, uh, and, and show my, my solidarity with the writers, my support for the writers. Um, just go back and take a look at some of the, the, the episodes throughout the season. Somebody up there likes Ben, um, you know, fellow travelers, paging Dr. Song, uh, let them play, um, uh, uh, Ben song for the defense. I, I mean, there's just, there's, there's been so many great episodes throughout the course of the season. Um, that I, that, that I, I think that the, you know, it's a testament to the quality and creativity of these writers. And, uh, I, again, I just think that they should be fairly compensated for their efforts because they, they give us a hell of a lot. Um, and you know, I, I, I just think it's, it's one thing to be critical uh, of something. It's another thing to be mean spirited about it. And, and, and luckily I have not seen much, although I've seen a couple of comments that I thought were fairly mean spirited when it came to, um, the writers, uh, just in general, not even necessarily on this show. Um, and at a time like this, I just think that that's completely uncalled for. So, uh, all that said, uh, I do want to take a moment. Uh, usually we usually do this at the top of the show, but, uh, I just, dived right into everything <clears throat> to thank all of our patrons. Um, you all are awesome just for listening to the show, downloading, liking, subscribing, etc. Uh, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate that. And if you are not a subscriber, please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button on Apple podcasts and, um, you know, help, help this show be seen by more people because, um, it, it obviously, you know, yes, it benefits us, but we hope that it will benefit you as well as we can, um, you know, reach a wider audience and do more, um, with, uh, with what you've given us. And so for those that are actually reaching into their pockets and giving something to us. Thank you so very much. Al's Place Leap Fan Site, Bourbon and Board Games, Carolyn Cosplay Dad, Joanne Bartlett, Dana Bias, Rich Bork, Chris, aka Brackmang, Kevin, Kevin Butcher, Carol Davis, Dan Tuig, Dex Lower, Dermot Devlin, Barry Donovan, Brian Dreadful, Troy Evers, Larry Ganny, Jason Geis, Kelly M, Michelle Hoffman, Amy Holtkamp, Lori Johnson, Bess A. Corey, Lady Eternal, Rob Nunn, Oddly Specific with Audra, Christopher Redman, Adrian Sal, Karen Saxon, Jerry Seward, Mike Stouffer, Heather Strabiak, Damon Sugamelli, Larry Trujillo, Stuart Williams, Jill Wilson, and our anonymous patrons. Uh, just thank you all so very much. I paused for a moment there to smile because I'm pretty sure I mispronounced Adrian's last name again. Uh, so <laughs> I'm sorry about that, Adrian. Uh, but anyway, um, 
Yeah, just thank you all so very much. Uh, it, it really means a lot. And and at a time when we're not necessarily producing as much as we normally are, giving you as much as we normally do, um, I really appreciate you all for hanging in there and uh, helping to support the show because it does mean a lot and it allows us to do some cool things. Like, for instance, I got a new webcam. Um, tell me if it helps. Uh, maybe it hurts. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we really appreciate all of that support. And as always, before you even think to give to us, take a look at your community, take a look at the world around you. And if there's something that you can do to help out in any way, uh, please do, because there are a lot of rights that need a lot of wrongs that need to be righted. Um, there's a lot of rights that are being infringed. Um, so uh, let's, let's write some wrongs and, and, and help the world at large. And I just cannot wait to see all the good that we might be able to do. Um, and if after all that, of course, you still have a little something left and you want to throw it our way, we will gladly accept it and try to do our best with it for you. Um, so you can hit us up, of course, on our Patreon or buy me a cup of coffee. And uh, you can find all of those links, of course, in the show notes. Um, but in the meantime, I think it's time for me to get out of here. Um, Thank you all. Thank you all again for your empathy, your compassion, your understanding, uh, the sharing that has gone on. Um, I'm grateful for that. And I think that there have been some just amazing displays of affection and gratitude on your part. And so I want to make sure I take a moment to give my affection and gratitude to all of you. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. And um, I'm lucky to get the chance to be a part of your entertainment you're you're watching you're listening so thank you so much for that and uh thank you for all your kindness so i'm gonna get out of here uh in the meantime though take care of yourselves take care of one another stay safe out there and remember always leap responsibly If I